0: Good evening, you are on the panel on RNZ National now um, by the way um, a bit of housekeeping here, if you're listening out for the detail you can hear that now after 7pm in this show and don't forget you can also hear it uh, on demand anytime at rnz.co.nz so it's just after 7pm and I'll be here till 8pm, my name's Wallace Chapman. Now, uh, to this maybe you've all heard a little too much today about a certain pop megastar and her recent concerts in australia but one moment of the concert did stand out to me during the performance of the song we are never ever getting back together there is a moment where said singer puts the mic to her dancer's mouth and he says like ever but this past weekend here's what he said instead
1: he
2: calls me up and he's like, I still love, love you. you. And I'm like, I mean, this is exhausting, you know, but like, we're never getting back together. Tell him he's dreaming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The biggest pop star in the world, Taylor Swift, quoted this little Australian indie movie from the late 90s. Dad,
2: 4.50. But jousting sticks.
1: Tell him he's dreaming.
0: That's right. Uh, Do you think uh, she's actually a fan of the castle, or has she just been fed the line by a cab driver? But I asked for your favourite quotes of the castle. Here are a few. Steve, could you move the chimera? I need to get to the Tirana so I can get to the Commodore. Uh, Another one here. Dad, he reckons power lines are a reminder of man's ability to generate electricity. Uh, And of course, this is going straight to the pool room. Ali, uh, What an extraordinary film. From the moment I saw it, and I've seen it, what, about five or six times, there is something unique about this film, but also uniquely Australian. Is that right? Yeah. Oh,
3: yes. It was made by some friends of mine. You're kidding. <laughs> and they're now yeah. mega famous in, in, in Australia, of course. Um oh it's a it's an absolute classic and it's so lovely as an Australian to think that it's appreciated over the side of the ditch as well. Or should I say the ditch? Yeah. It's um, um it, keep going. The other the other thing that Taylor Swift that you haven't mentioned that Taylor Swift did in her Sydney concert was um perfectly recreate the word no in Australian. <laughs> did, you, did you catch that? No, I didn't. She, she did it quite well. She's, she, she, she said the word no in the Australian accent was her favourite word and she pronounced it no, which is pretty spot on, kind of no. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? It's just it's amazing.
0: About. It's about. Um, here's another one. Uh, the lawyer Dennis DeNuto, Stephen. It's the vibe of it. It's the Constitution. It's Marvel. It's justice. It's law. It's the vibe. And no, that's it. It's the vibe. I rest my case. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there anything about Dennis DeNuto that you, Stephen Franks, relate to uh, as a lawyer at Franks Ogilvie? Uh,
4: kicking the, the, the uh, photocopy. <laughs> yeah. But we, we run it as compulsory staff training. We. Are you serious? The, well, the the, the, young, the younger ones often haven't seen it and, and they have to do that. They have to understand the constitution and, and that urbane QC with his oh. raised eyebrows at Danny DeNuto. Oh. <laughs> it is a wonderful movie. Part, partly because it's it's about class consciousness yeah. and it could have just been snobby but actually it's affectionate, it's yeah. warm, it's, it's just a delight.
0: I couldn't agree more. In fact, you've really hit something on the head for me, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, the My favourite character... Is that QC where he he doesn't look down at um, the dad when she when he says oh my 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 daughter is you know at hairdressing school what does your um, you know son do oh he's just you know he's here, here to try to be embarrassed on seeing him and they strike up a friendship yeah. and that friendship seems to be really authentic and quite real
4: yeah it's a it's a, it's a, a perfect movie it's it should
0: and, <laughs> and the fact <laughs> is we, we have it at the work. <laughs> I'm loving this we'll have to watch together Stephen
4: sometime <laughs> we'll have to invite you at <laughs> our next staff training
0: I, no, I, I, do you actually use the cast for staff training
4: we do, we say to them, because we often talk about it and, and and ask them, and they haven't seen it. So we have an evening where we all get in there, and we we have the the drinks and the nuts, and we sit and, and watch the whole of the castle.
0: Le- legally, is there? Did the QC come in and do something quite different? He he went to the uh, the, the Supreme Court of Australia, and he said, "Look, you do you, you, you're doing this wrong. This is not a house; it's a home." <laughs> Look, it
4: wouldn't stack up in terms right. of how the courts would actually approach it. I mean, there's elements of it, but. It, it, the people are believable enough, and the the um, the sentiment is recognisable to almost any lawyer, and it's okay. it's perfect.
0: Just on another note, in terms of Australian media culture, Ali, uh, someone said on the panel um, about a month ago, I said, why does Australia keep producing such good shows? There's another one, uh, Ali Moore, uh, on ABC. I think it's called Nemesis. Jo- Julian Wilcox actually uh, recommended me, and that's just the sort of the the, the years of politics in the last uh, 20 years. Well, I
3: haven't. Uh, Heard of that one? I'm scribbling it down as we speak. If Mm. if we got time, I could run a little quiz for you on Australian slang. Um, Maybe another day. Maybe another day. (laughs) Maybe another
0: day. But I'll be up for it. Very good. Uh, Yeah, Pam Dunedin says, "Ah, the serenity from the castle." Oh gosh. Can you? That's probably
3: my favourite quote.
0: (laughs) Can you feel the serenity? Uh, My favourite one. What do you call this? Chicken. Um, The panel. Uh, NZ National. Well, the Brindewin hills are closing from today for another round of work after destruction caused by Cyclone Gabrielle last year. It'll be closed until 12th of May, bar a six-day reopening over the Easter long weekend to allow holidaymakers through. Less than 24 hours after the Brindewins were closed, a logging truck has blocked one of the main detour routes to and from Northland, uh, Waka NGTA. NZTA. They're advising motorists to delay their journeys. With us is the CEO, Northland Chamber of Commerce, Darren Fisher. Welcome, Darren.
5: Peter Wallace. Uh, thanks for having me back uh, on your programme.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on. Nice, clear line there. It's, it's a long time for this main route to be shut, isn't it? How are you feeling about it?
5: Yeah, no, 10, 10 weeks is certainly uh, going to be a challenge for Northland, but um, look, we're resilient people up here. We're, we're used to this sort of thing, but um, currently enjoying the winterless north, 24 degrees, enjoying a beautiful you know view of the Bay of Islands and oh. a you know, drink as we speak, so I can't oh. complain too much. Can oh. I?
0: Always looking on the brighter side of life, you guys, aren't you? Fantastic, you can't complain about that. Um, are you expecting a drop-off in business?
5: Yeah, we have um the, you know our tourism operators will already tell you that there's there's been a softening in and forward bookings which is which is a bit of a concern but I, I've got to sort of temper that in a little in a little way because um you know across the nation we're sort of seeing uh, that discretionary spend down as well. So it's a little bit of a um two-pronged sword for us up here in Northland, but all the more of an opportunity if you think to yourself hey I haven't been up there for a while and and I want to have a little bit little bit of it to myself, well, why not? Better time than
0: now. Yeah, OK, and just uh, confirming there, Evie Ashton did say in the news that those, uh, that road is now reopened. Um, what are you saying to people listening to this? Because Transport Minister Simeon Brown said that we're reminding everyone that Northland is open for business. We encourage Kiwis to visit and explore everything that Northland has to offer.
5: Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've we've been um, helped along from a campaign point of view very well from NZTA and worked very closely between ourselves at the Chamber and Northland Inc just about putting on a, a good message out there to remind people that uh, Northland is open. It is only a 10 to 15 minute uh, delay to your trip and, and a place where you can have a couple of really good stops uh, as you head up to Northland. So we're definitely open for business definitely uh, still the beauty is still here we haven't gone anywhere yeah it hasn't like there's been a cyclone last week so, yeah, welcoming uh, all visitors up to
0: Northland. Oh, fantastic, Darren. Hey, look, thanks for joining us this afternoon. I'll let you get back to your uh, uh, pint in the view, um, but we will keep in touch with you over the next uh, 10 or so weeks. Kia ora. That's Darren Fisher uh, from the Northland Chamber of Commerce. It is 6.42 on the panel, RNZ uh, National, and this is where we'll do. Uh, I've been thinking, if you uh, haven't caught it, we've done this for the last five years, and it's uh, it just gives the panel the chance to sort of uh, talk about something from their heart. Uh, Ellie Moore, take it away.
3: I have been thinking about how I've spent the past eight months or so setting up a new charity. And during that time, I've been in a very steep learning curve. Uh, I've learned a ton about the art of giving, if I can call it that. And New Zealanders are some of the most generous givers to charity on earth. And I wanted to give a shout out to the philanthropic sector, it is not very easy to apply for these philanthropic grants. Most foundations have a heap of rules and requirements, and so they should. Uh, when you know, when you're giving money to, uh, when you money away, you've got to have your rules and regulations. But it can be confusing, right? So, and I've had so much kindness, help, and guidance from people in that sector um to you know to help me navigate uh and and put in the best put the best possible face on my request uh and i just think that shows the best side of Aotearoa and New Zealand so props to them
0: yeah good to hear that that flanfreeus alive and well because there are uh, charities and sectors that are doing it quite tough, Ali, so it's nice to hear some um, yeah positive news uh, out of there. Nice one. Uh, that's Ali Moore's I've Been Thinking. Stephen Franks, uh, what's your IBT? Take it away.
4: I've been thinking about Google. I don't know how many how typical it is, but I think it's been an, just an amazing boon. It's, it's wonderful that you can end silly arguments with instant facts when your kids can straighten <laughs> you out when you, when you should, could have ended up shrieking at each other. And similarly with Google Maps, I think it's probably saved our marriage when we agreed <laughs> that we would just do what it says and, and not argue. But now I'm just worried. I mean, I, I, it is, does sound funny, but I'm seriously worried about the loss of trust in Google that uh, could be precipitated by the debacle of Google Gemini. For those who haven't been following it over the last few days, it's the new AI service that is going to be embedded at the heart of many of the Google services. And it's turned out to be just hopelessly, ludicrously woke. And it it, it has tried to eliminate all uh, depictions of white people. Uh, It tries to eliminate... Uh, references to white males in particular. And so if you ask it to give you a a picture of a series of popes, they'll all turn out to be black or Chinese, and some of them are women. Um, This morning Elon Musk um, uh, showed the answer to a question which was, would would it be acceptable, would it be okay to misgender Caitlyn Jenner if that was the price of avoiding a nuclear catastrophe, and it said no. <laughs> it said some people would argue that, but it wouldn't be appropriate. No. So Caitlin Jenner has stepped in and said she thinks it would be, but... <laughs>
0: I, yes, I have been reading about uh, it's just the criticism, uh, yeah. Google finding itself involved in this backlash over and also leading to the sort of the, the future of um, uh, AI generated information. Mm. Yeah, Stephen, thank you very much uh, for that. All right, to this on the panel. An opinion piece caught my eye in the paper. New Zealand social welfare wasn't supposed to be like this, and that our 21st century welfare state is supposed to eradicate poverty, but it perpetuates it, and that the original intention as a short-term insurance function to tide them over has gone. And time on a benefit is now not measured in weeks, but sometimes years, maybe decades there are 190,000 people on the jobs so that benefit, 67,000 more than six years ago. Is there another solution? Well, our next guest thinks so. He says, scrap the system, start again. With us is Tim Hazeldean, Emeritus Professor of Economics at the University of Auckland, who's kindly taken some time out from a function for us. Tim, uh, thanks for being with us. Hi,
2: Wallace. You're welcome.
0: New Zealand social welfare wasn't supposed to be like this. Can you explain a little of what you mean by that? Has the intent of the original social welfare system strayed from what it was originally meant for?
2: Yeah, it, it certainly has, drastically. Uh, it was meant to be a... Um, a uh, of sort of a safety net, a bouncy safety net. People might fall into it if they lost their job or had some other misfortune. They have back with a bit of help from the safety net and get on with their lives. Well, it's, it's definitely lost its bounce. Um, as, as you said, there's people now living in it on, on benefits and nothing else. Not just years, but decades, and we're seeing the average time people expected to be, or projected to be, on one of these main benefits now, is way up for about 14 years, and that's and it's going up every year. So that's that's not uh, a safety
0: net. That's not
2: uh, helping people out of misfortune. It's creating a whole way of life for several hundred thousand people.
0: OK, so let's cut straight to the chase uh, while we have time, and then I'll go straight to Ellie uh, and Stephen. You propose scrapping it, starting again, and doing a sort of universal basic income, say, for example, paying everyone $600 a fortnight?
2: Yeah, That'd be,
0: that, that's right. That would be a great idea. Ellie Moore, that's... what do you make of this? No, I
3: think it's it. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) I've written about it before uh, and it has other um, benefits. I know that um, Christopher Luxon last year was quoted saying that that New Zealand uh, needs to raise its birth rate to, you know, replace us old people so that there's still a workforce when we retire and get too old and need help. Um, And the only thing that I could find that has worked globally to raise birth rates is a UBI in a, um, I think it was a province of Ontario, Canada. Um, and, you know, once people know that they have that guaranteed income, it might not be enough to fund their entire family life, but it's enough to carry them Um it, ma- it makes a massive difference to all of their choices.
0: And you can top up any time yeah. you can, you, you, it's, it's, uh, as I understand it, uh, Tim says it's a base level from what you can actually earn as much as you like. I understand um, the other proposal, Stephen, friends, is to propose scrapping the superannuation at the same time and paying every adult, including the likes of you, Stephen, who uh, wouldn't need it, 600 bucks a for fortnight. What do you think? <clears throat> I think um, if that was... The replacement,
4: uh, it, it could be, it could work because the people would just have to work. But the problem would be it'd be too harsh on the people who are genuinely unable to support themselves. Um, we've got these sort of Orwellian misuse of language. We talk about job seeker, but they stopped really enforcing the seeking bit of it many, many years ago. And the 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 thing would only work um, if you actually then focused on what. Michael Joseph Savage, and the founders of it had those who deserved help, and they were very they were very insistent at the time and, and the parliamentary debates are fascinating. they show that they they really thought anyone who didn't um, show a strong desire to work shouldn't get it. Um, one of the right. the minister actually said uh, uh, and asked about someone who wouldn't work, I should introduce him to a tank of water and fill it until he was obliged to swim and then see if he wanted to continue to refuse to work. so that the, the problem would be it, it wouldn't work unless we were determined to really make this a desserts-based system okay. and not needs.
0: All right. So it is a thought piece, Tim. There's no suggestion that is going to happen. Um, some people said a UBI could reduce some of the stigma of being on a benefit, but, but let me ask you whether or not this is simply money down the drain. Why should I pay, why should we collectively pay, say, Graham Hart, 600 bucks a fortnight?
2: Well, how old Graham Hart? If he's sixty-five, he may be getting super anyway. So, he will when he gets there. I don't think there's any. St- I don't think the stigma issue is, is a big deal. I, I do think that in terms of the things you've been, you and your panel have been talking about this evening, crime and education, and I'll bring into this child poverty. If you want to talk about babies, babies who child poverty rate having gone up from fourteen percent to seventeen percent just last year, in the last year. So the UBI is, ticks all those boxes. It would help people deal with those matters and have you know, better, more prosperous, law-abiding, well-educated families.
0: Interesting, isn't it? Because this does come up. There's enough in it for it to recur, as Ali said, uh, internationally around the world as a as a policy. In fact, one of the parties uh, campaigning uh, consistently had it in their, uh, in their manifesto. Tim, how, did, how would you how would it
4: fit with working for families? Because New Zealand's incredibly generous to families compared to most countries through the Working for Families thing. In fact, it's a as you know, it's a an, yeah. A, a trap. Working
2: for Families is a, is a is a big thing and it's popular and it's about three billion dollars. I guess that the pure UBI is just something between the state and each citizen. It's like one person, one vote. One person, one UBI. And it leaves all the family stuff, including whether you're going to have bailoos or not, um, it leaves it, it doesn't deal with that at all. For Tim, better or for
0: worse, it doesn't. Tim, mm. very nice to have you here. Uh, I really appreciate your time this evening. That's uh, Tim Halesdeen, Emeritus Professor of Economics at the University of Auckland. I'm chap, And uh, Remember, I'll be here from 7 to 8 p.m. also, and uh, you are listening to the new time of the panel Every evening, every weekday evening, 6 p.m. sharp uh, this afternoon, this evening, we are with Ali Moore and Stephen. Franks, loving your feedback coming through, particularly about the castle. Jeremy says, that's going straight to the pool room. Can you move the car so I can shift the car to get the car out? It needs research, Jeremy. Um, uh, I love the castle. It's a common quote in my whānau. Uh, If one of the uh, Mokapunas does a special drawing of artwork, it's going straight to the pool room. Um, Heidi says, I'm really starting to understand how the Aborigines feel. That's what the lead a character said that. It's the vibe of the thing. Um, Dennis DeNuto's the vibe of the thing. Uh, and, um, yeah, straight to the pool room. Still using our family for any special prize or acquisition, especially uh, if it's homemade. Finally on the show, on a completely different note, art often imitates life. But today I stumbled across an example a uh, quirkier than most, perhaps. You may recall last year, actor... Uh, actress and business tycoon Gwyneth Paltrow went t- to trial after a man claimed she crashed into him on a ski slope and caused permanent brain damage. Now, that story has been adapted into Gwyneth Goes Skiing. It's a new musical about the incident in case. The show's creators say they were inspired and captivated by the ridiculousness of the case. With us is music lecturer Dr Gregory Camp. Dr Camp, welcome. Hello, Wallace. It's very hard on first read to imagine going to this musical and thinking it's a worthwhile ticket. What do you think?
1: Would you go? Well, I I think, um, well, depends on on the reputation of the, the writers and the cast. If you think about the biggest musical hits, a lot of them look not great on paper. I mean, who, who would want to go to a musical about the French Revolution of 1830 or something about a, a creepy guy hiding in the basement of, a, of the opera house? Yes, yeah, that's what of the Opera. They're, they're big hits.
0: Uh, fair point, Gregory, fair point. What other examples can you think of? Wasn't there one um, in New Zealand about gypsy tourists rampaging New Zealand?
1: Yeah, the unruly, Tourist unruly the tourists. Unruly tourists. That on a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, to, to and much it, it was criticism. very controversial at
0: the time. There you go. Yeah. Um, Stephen. Shall we start I with you? Would would you would you go to the right Stephen? Oh,
4: I, I I defer to the expert you've just heard from. It would all depend on whether, yeah. what the reviews have been like on the music. It, the whole question of liability for ski crashes is is interesting to me as a lawyer, and, and particularly right. in a country where ACC has ruled out those kind of claims or most of it. But um, just watching from afar, it did look like it might have been a try on taking a celebrity and hoping that she would just fold because of the the, the adverse publicity.
0: Um, Stay there, Gregory. There was something enormously fascinating, however, Ali Moore, about this particular case. You know, the way even Gwyneth Paltrow walked into the room with her brown cashmere stealth wealth and everyone watched in hushed tones. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> well the judge actually ruled that um that the gentleman who took the case against Paltrow was 100% uh liable responsible for the accident so she got a dollar in the end um but I look I am I'm, uh, I'm with Gregory all the way in in my mind a, a musical has to have a good book right. so and, the book is the story, not the music. If it doesn't have a decent book, like I Can't Stand Wicked, for example, because I don't think the book's strong enough. I hated it's it. Lovely I, singing. I, but I, I don't like I don't like the book. Um but but there have been, you know, there have been hilarious musicals or, or concepts from musicals that have worked and some that haven't. Did you know that there was an Evil Dead the musical Gregory. for example?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that one. I haven't seen it but So what's the what's the? There are all sorts of funny things out there.
0: Yeah, what's the lesson here? That actually, uh, uh, any idea can be a good idea in its execution, uh, especially so with a musical.
1: Yeah, I think it's all about the execution, but there is something about current events becoming musicals that is somewhat more of an uphill battle. I think we we tend to accept historical subjects or fantasy subjects is more easily singable. Um, Like consider West Side Story. That wasn't a hit when it first came out. um, The big musical that year was The Music Man, which was a historical thing. Uh, It wasn't for a few years until the movie came out in the early 60s that West Side Story really took off. So it takes time for for some shows.
0: Very good. Music lecturer Dr Gregory uh, Camp there uh, talking about the new musical about the incident uh, Gwyneth Goes Skiing. Uh, And that is us for the first show at 6pm. Ali Moore, Stephen Franks, it's really great to have you on the show this evening. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure. It was a
3: pleasure Um, to be
0: here for the first one. uh, Thank Mm. you. Thank you, Yeah, I'm Wallace Chapman. Stay with me. Uh, I'll be with you from 7 till 8 p.m. Oh, gosh. And it's a bit of Michael Bolton because it's his birthday today.
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-Free Listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com newsadfree.